What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our book review of Seth Godin's book, Tribes. My co-host today is Chad Lott, senior copywriter at Whole Foods. Right. Like somebody like for instance, me, I've only seen snow twice in my life. So I might know that and understand that there's a market in specialized backcountry snowboarding stuff. It's not part of my world. This is another episode of Innovation and Leadership. Today, we're going to be picking from the 400 plus books on business, marketing and strategy that we've read and talking about one of them that we feel like can have a big impact on innovators and entrepreneurs as they try to invent the future. As always, in addition to learning from the show, we hope you'll consider clicking on the Child Rescue tab on our website, iCollective.co, to see how you can help change the life of a child that's been rescued from abuse and trafficking. Also, we love all of you who've been emailing to tell us what parts of the episodes you really liked or or what was helpful to you. And to everybody else, if you have time, we'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email at stories at iCollective.co. And now on to the episode. Chad, thanks for making time. All right. Always a pleasure. So uh, we've been talking about this idea of, hey, you don't need to outspend the other advertisers out there. If you can create like a rabid fan base, a a tribe of people who have like this cultish cultish dedication to something you really care about, that this can be a much more cost-effective and potentially gratifying way to to build the kind of base that can either, you know, fund your nonprofit or be your customers of your company or these other things to to help you reach the other goals for the responsibilities you have in your life. Um, And we, we ended on this quote about great leaders don't water down their message in order to make the tribe bigger. Instead, they realize that a motivated connected tribe in the midst of a movement is a far more powerful, is far more powerful than a large group could ever be. And I was thinking about what you were saying of you may not need to start a, a tribe from scratch, right? You might be able to ta- tap into somebody else's movement that's already going and build your own sub tribe within it. Right. And I really have seen that in the world of snowboarding with, um, with snowmobile snowboarders, right? These, these backcountry guys um, who, uh, you know, I count myself one of it's, it's really is like a little bit of a sub community and it's, it's not giant, right? But we are like really passionate about not waiting in lift lines at, at ski resorts and getting fresh powder every run. And, um, you know, we're not like a bunch of gearheads, motor, motor dudes. Like most of us are like <laughs> complete beginners at like <laughs> how to, how to change the oil on our snowmobile or how to like fix the belt. Right. Sure, like yeah. we're not guys who grew up tinkering with this stuff with our dads. Typically we're like dudes who spent two decades snowboarding and we just wanted that more extreme experience of the the bigger mountain, the deeper powder. And, and this is how we found out the way to get to it. And there, there are entire companies now built on 
building the racks for the snowmobile for the snowboard to go on the snowmobile. Right. And in the last, you know, I don't know, decade since I got my sleds, it's gotten to the point where now giant manufacturers like Ski-Doo are doing partnerships with snowboard brands like Burton. You can buy a Burton edition Ski-Doo now that, that finally comes with this kind of stuff. Um, but the point is getting into, you know, if that's what you are passionate about getting in and going deep early can be something you can build a bit of a dynasty on. It's the point like a, a CFR racks or these guys who have, who've done really well. Oh yeah. And you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, I, I think that you're going to know what you're interested in building, right? Like somebody like for instance, me, I, I've only seen snow twice in my life. So I might know that and understand that there's a market in specialized backcountry snowboarding stuff, but it's not part of my world. So it's going to be very difficult for me to even to not be a kook, right? Uh, to borrow a surfing term, which I'm sure probably gets used in um, snowboarding too. But with like with a tribe, like you know, Seth Godin really advocates that you be the leader of the tribe. And I, I think that that language might be a little outdated now. I think now you just need like authenticity in the tribe. And sometimes that authenticity, uh, you may be a person who wants to be a leader, but you might also just be a thought leader within the tribe. Um, if, you know, for instance, th- there's a book that just came out that I love that you'll have to read. Let me know what you think about it. It's called Barbar- Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. And it's it's a book about surfing, right? And he talks about the book is at its most interesting when he's talking about the very, very early days, like 60s and 70s, when people were like handshaping these crazy boards and before people really started building specialized equipment. And then as the book goes on, he starts talking about big wave surfers that would get towed out on skidoos, uh, which really reminds me of what you're talking about. And it's like the people who build these really robust inner tribes in the main tribes they almost have to be masters of the main tribe. Like they would have to be really serious players in the larger tribe to even get people to follow them deeper down the hole. Cause that, that's kind of what's going on is that you're getting people to follow you deeper into a hole, which. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, this idea of getting out in front and maybe you don't need to like brand yourself the leader per se. Right. right. But, but the point of like being the one who is out, trailblazing in this subculture within some movement or something um and and having people be able to clearly go oh here's a source for something right it does have a really magnetic effect you know there's this quote from the book um life too short is repeated often enough to be cliche but this time it's true you don't have enough time to be both unhappy and mediocre right it's just pointless it's painful instead of wondering when your next vacation is maybe you ought to set up the kind of life you don't need an escape from and, you know, I look at our, our little show here, right? And <laughs> quite frankly, it's kind of a funny premise, right? Hey, we want to get as wide a variety of different experts together and talk as possible. Like, in a way, it almost feels like the anti-tribe where we've got, we've got cops and then we've got people on, on the far other end of a political spectrum where we've got Hollywood filmmakers and pro athletes and special forces guys, right? Like, it's there's not necessarily a deep commonality on, on the surface of this, this group that we're trying to put together here. Right. But kind of my like quirky, like passion, like legitimate passion of like trying to hunt down what are the different patterns that people have used and what's the commonalities between them? You know, like it's, I was 
you know, me, me and you are constantly having these phone calls about books. Right. And, and I look at like, why is there, I look at the 400 something business books in the last decade I've listened to, and they're like a little all over the place. Right. But there, there are these common themes that I actually have found more value when I find a similar lesson showing up in books from different genres, it actually reinforces to me, Hey, maybe this is one worth, worth living. Right. Yep. Um, and for us, like our success on like a smaller scale, I mean, you look at our first three months, I think we had 50,000 downloads altogether. And here our fourth month, we'll do 50,000 downloads just this month. And I mean, we're on track for at, at this rate, we're on track for over a, mil- over a million downloads this year. And it's not like a preset thing that anybody else would have norm- normally said like, oh, there's the formula. At least it didn't appear like that when I was explaining it to people last year what I was going to do. They right. kind of gave me these sideways looks of like, so hold on, how does that relate to each other? You know, um, and now we're getting things like we 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 have Intel reaching out to us. We're making like our creative side of our company that does the videos, right? We've got um, Steve Case, the guy who started AOL, uh, his two billion dollar venture capital group reached out to us, and and uh, we're now making a video for them. And these these different people who are finding us, um, we had a we had a large. Uh, one of the largest universities in the state out here contacted us about helping uh, make collaborative, like co-branded content together. And there's these people who are coming to us from like this stupid little podcast that I do like mostly with, <laughs> with my friends, companies right. and other cool people I wish I knew. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, I hoped that this kind of stuff was going to happen and it's not like we've got to the finish line. We've got a long ways to go, but um, it is interesting to like, when you double down on what you're really nuts about, that it does become a bit of a magnet. Yeah, I mean, look, passion's contagious, right? And then, it, it, you know, like almost another name for Ideation Collective could have been, um, you know, a bunch of possess- a bunch of uh, people who are obsessed over self improvement technologies, and and want to have more <laughs> right. fun in their lives, you know. And that's what like really all this stuff is is like, I think people who consume all this kind of information and, you know, like if you, if you look at the common thread throughout all of your guests, it's people who are basically open-minded enough to experiment with the ideas that have trickled up as being best practices and then put them into practice and then are kind of giving reports uh, from the fringe. Like, Hey, what does it look like when you have shifted all of your marketing to a more tribal centric uh, methodology? it looks pretty good and maybe it's not, doesn't have the crazy growth that you would have from a, uh, an online tele or from a television campaign or something like that, but your cool guerrilla marketing campaign is going to put you in contact with cooler people over the long term, And that's probably going to be and your, I, and I would, yeah. And you, you and I were talking about this before the show that it's likely to turn into longer term fans, right? Right. Where right. a lot of people become, you know, they have huge numbers, um, but they only have them for a little while, and then the masses move on to the next fad, right? Yep. Where people that have a deep tribe, I mean, these are multi-year, multi-decade things often, right? And they may not be the hugest thing in numbers, but as far as sustainability or like, you know, what Warren Buffett would call reliable income, mm-hmm. you know, they 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 have a big advantage over those shallow tribes. Yep. Um, you know, I, there's this other quote from the book. He says, many people are... Many people are starting to realize that they work a lot and that working on stuff they believe in and making things happen is much more satisfying than just getting a paycheck right. and waiting to get fired or die. Yeah. And 
honestly, like, you know, we are hoping that this this show would become a thing where we could do a bunch of advertising for child rescue, right? We could like get free advertising for our charity. Sure. Um, but it's kind of grown to this point where I remember my wife and I were talking uh, not that long ago when we're wondering, eh, I wonder if the show is really going to catch on, right? We hadn't had these big bump in numbers that we've had and we weren't having sponsors reaching out to us like we have nowadays, right? And we both actually came to the conclusion that like this show is uh, such like a fun creative outlet for me and like it's it's given me the chance to meet such um like-minded individuals who've kind of become fast friends that even if it, like even if this whole idea didn't become financially beneficial and i had to get a job or i had to start a different business or whatever that our family was going to make the time to keep doing the show because it was that beneficial right um and so this idea of like working on something you believe in like I feel like I'm doing that again with my life and, uh, and it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things about it is like thinking about being in a tribe is, is, is a nice feeling, you know, cause that, that, that's when you, when you start talking about like the, the critiques of like nihilism and late stage capitalism and, and anything that you might say negative about, um, you know, anything that like your craziest Bernie Sanders fan would like meme post online, right? Like all this like destruction, like your Chris Hedges, the world as it is, like things are terrible type of thing. Like one of the things that people are turning to are these tribal identifications. And it's not just about money. It's about community. It's about uh, friendship. It's about showing up with people, being reliable. I mean, just look at the shows that are really popular online uh, or not online, but in general, uh, like Sons of Anarchy. Duck Dynasty, uh, what's another show, like the show I really like, Vikings, you know, and what all these shows have in common is that there there are these like brotherhoods and sisterhoods that are stronger than the environment around them. And a lot of people, you know, who just sit in their cubicle, have casual friendships at work, they don't really have these these strong tribal connections in their life. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think people are really craving those connections and the difference between, again, I come back to like 2008 versus 2016, like what has happened in the last eight years since tribes came out is that we have seen weaponized identity politics explode into mass consciousness. So now, I mean, you just look online, it's like, are you a feminist? Well, here's your natural enemy, the, 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 the meninist, you know, and so you have these really, really kind of crazy groups that you're just made to join into like for instance like if you don't love hillary clinton you obviously must love donald trump and that's that that's not really how people are like people don't want to have these uh really stressful crappy associations and identities bolted onto them so they're choosing what they're going to be into with a little bit more of a curatorial edge you know like yep you heard it here folks i'm starting my own political party (laughs) family values independent you could join yeah, I mean, you think about, like, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, if you would say family <laughs> values independent, it's like, hey, uh, there's probably a whole bunch of people who want to spend more time with their families and figure out ways to organize their life. I mean, that, that's one of the big differences in the ideation collective, too, I think, to a lot of these marketing kind of guru types is, you know, ideation collective asks the question, like, okay, once you've figured out all the various technologies to maximize your day, now what do you do with it, right? You do mm. stuff like child rescue. Yeah, you know, and and not because it's morally right or whatever. It's it, it scratches that itch of doing a thing in the world that you want to do, 
And then hopefully if you do it with enough passion, other people are going to dig it and join you. Yeah. Okay. And I actually want to talk about that in just a minute. Before we get to that, I thought you made an insight that was really valuable that I feel like the book really gets at um, this idea of humans desire to belong. Right. You know, like in the, in their training company where we treat like the, the merger integrations or the sales training, stuff like that um, really have been influenced by Brene Brown. If you've ever seen her Ted talks about vulnerability or her amazing books and stuff, but she talks about how much shame in the world and how much blaming comes about as we're reacting to this, like, this fear that maybe we're not enough and that if the group knew the truth about us, they would want to separate from us. Right. And that, that has like a very primal fear based uh, reaction in us. And so we do all these things to try to fit in or to look like we're fitting in. And um, we end up uh, shaming other people um, as a way, to, almost as a stance to prove that we are acceptable and that we are not associated with that other individual and and these things, um, uh, and she talks a lot about the ways that that goes wrong and that that harms society and harms our families and things. But I feel like this book actually talks about how once you're aware of that, it can be harnessed to turn into something. You know, personally, I actually feel like it can be a service. If you build the kind of tribe that isn't just based on money, that actually cares about the individuals as a human and gives them the chance to build stronger relationships with each other. Right. It actually can be a service to society where you've you've given people, you know, an escape from the cubicle. You've given them this chance potentially with the kind of tribe you build to do something that matters. And um it's another it's another maybe perspective to look at this. Um commenting on that and how you would help child rescue build a bigger tribe. What what kind of ideas come to mind for you? Well, okay, so, so the share interest of child rescue, like if you were to look, really parse it out is, okay, um, child rescue's tribe would involve people who were actively interested in ending child sex slavery. And what's a weird, weird thing about that is, do you ask pretty much anyone that wasn't insane off the street, hey, are you interested in stopping child sex slavery? They're going to say yes, right? So you have this theoretical enormous tribe at your fingertips. Like it, it's a really an easy one to hate on child sex trafficking where, but people are busy, but people are busy and they have, and there's other organizations doing different things. And I think, you know, one of the things that I thought was really cool about child rescue is the idea that it funds direct action. You know, it's not just this metaphysical or not a metaphysical, but this theoretical, Oh, we're raising awareness. It's like, we take these dollars and these dollars to go do to go towards doing this thing. And for me, you know, I, I think that you could almost like, it, it, there could almost be like a fantasy. I mean, not to be too crass about this, but there could be almost like a fantasy baseball orient sort of thing to it where it's like, Hey, look, that's my team that went in and did that. Like, so how do you get people invested? <laughs> how do you get invested in the team? You're like, man, I support yeah. child rescue and they saved, a hundred kids. So I think that that tally of yeah. the number of kids is really interesting. Um, I, I think, you yeah. know, I feel like you're getting at this, like something actually has to be different. It can't just be talk, you know? Right. And, and by the way, I need to send a big shout out to everybody who's been listeners and has contributed to child rescue. We, we just wired $67,000 um, down and that 
aftercare orphanage in Peru we've been talking about for however many weeks is finally going to get built there. We partnered with a Canadian charity, Shar Peru, and a Peruvian charity called Raymar Peru. And um, that uh, that finally happened, uh, which is super exciting for us that, that now these kids that haven't been getting real aftercare are going to be able to get it. Um, but, you know, you look at our youth program, the Backyard Broadcast, and we actually had college kids and high school kids who run that thing. And those, these, you know, a group of college girls actually went down and met with the kids in person. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think their ability to come back and be contagious with caring about those kids is way different when they've met them. Right. Right. Um, I know for us, like I, I think about, especially the dudes that have got involved. So many of them, it's been fathers who, when they start thinking about what if somebody had done this to my daughter. Right. And that's, that's been the thing that helps it move from, I care about that. That shouldn't happen to, I'm going to do something about that. Right. Um, you know, I, I know we don't have a lot of time here on the episode, but when you think about learning from other people's lessons, so somebody hope, you know, potentially they've listened to both of our parts of this episode and they're saying, okay, I'm convinced Chad and Jess, I'm going to start a tribe, you know, who's done it well, who should I look at to copy? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I love somebody like a Red Bull who. I mean, I know your your wife works for them and they are well known in the advertising world as like, hey, they picked a tribe of this action sports right. and they live it they live it hard. <laughs> and it's obviously been very financially beneficial to them. Yeah. Um, who are some of the other who are some of the other groups that you feel like have have really doubled down on their tribe and it's panned out for them? Well, um wh- so okay, Tenth Planet Jiu Jitsu was founded by Eddie Bravo. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like super in with those guys. I, I trained with them for like about six months or something like that. Um, but I'm really impressed with their organization because they were one of the first jujitsu groups to just kind of dispense with using the gi, which is like the, you know, people who aren't familiar with mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu maybe. The uniform. Yeah, it's just it looks like a karate outfit. You know, that's probably what most people would know it as. Like these guys really... Um, I think they have like 30 locations now or something like that. And they were really in the early days, like the black sheep of the jujitsu world. I mean, their, their moves sort of required flexibility. They, you know, Eddie Bravo was considered disrespectful because he said, you don't have to wear the gi anymore. Uh, So they, um, so they just really stuck with it. And one of the things that I would compare it to child rescue is that they stuck with the thing that they wanted to do because they thought it was going to work. And then when it did work, they weren't shy about saying, you know, like they, they weren't shy about uh, just talking about it. You know, they got on social media. They're like, hey, you know, Gio Martinez just won uh, gold at Gracie Nationals or whatever he won, you know. So a- as they had more success with their methodology, more people kind of joined in with them. But there's also like style things that attract them. So maybe you're into, maybe you're not. Like they have jujitsu, but they're also really funny with their memes online. And there's like a lot of mirthfulness and kind of uh, like online trollishness, trollishness that's kind of funny. And, you know, one of the things that they did that I thought was very smart, and this is one of the things that uh, Seth Godin says you have to be very careful about, they never really talked shit or trash, sorry, I know it's a family show. Uh, they never really talked trash about any of the other forms of jujitsu. It was basically like, hey, look, this is what we're doing. That's what you're doing. We'll see you on the mats and see who wins. And I think by not positioning themselves against other people, 
it made it a little more inviting for people to come on. And now like the whole thing with like crazy looking rash guards and people competing in tights and all that stuff, that's all 10th planet stuff. And it's huge. Um, another group of people that I think has had like a lot of success are the uh, high carb, low fat, vegan endurance athletes. Um, they've, they've been really, really active on YouTube. So people like Durian Ryder and Freely, and there's a jujitsu guy named Jay who's a plant-based athlete, I think is his tag. Uh, they have, they've all, not all of them, but some of them have recently fallen into a lot of uh, drama online because I guess there's, there's now money in being a fake vegan online. Like, so they like, they they do these like call out and attack videos where they just sort of, they've, they basically like weaponize their tribe for clicks on YouTube, which I think is kind of like a bummer, but they've gotten their method or their message of being healthy, plant-based and doing endurance athletics out there been huge. Um, yeah. I mean, those are the two big ones I think of. They're the ones in my world. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You know, I, well, I look at like a North Face or a Patagonia sure. and how they like, there's a lot of people in the wetsuit business, but Patagonia has, has like their whole angle on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I look at like, um, there's a YouTube channel called bar stars where it's a bunch of dudes doing like crazy chin up workouts oh, yeah, and yeah. almost like acrobatic things that are like pretty amazing actually. Yeah. Right. That have really like created a whole movement and like they're super budget compared to like CrossFit with a Reebok sponsorship. Right. Mm -hmm. But they, there's like a real, like you can tell there's like a real brotherhood when you look at these dudes in this kind of crappy gym having a contest like wall to wall with all these kids doing that have been doing chin up workouts at their local um, like park downtown New York. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like that, that will turn into a thing. Like people, there's a long-term income stream that will come out of that. You look at, at GoPro and the way that they have consistently sponsored all these videos that line up with what their product line does, yep, right? Yep. And so I think of these ones we've talked about, something like um, people thinking, what is my tribe? How do I define it, right? Uh, there was a comment you made earlier about you might you might run into it by accident. You know, there's a, a writer from kind of the Jason, ba Jason Bourne genre of books named Stephen Conkley with K-O-N-K-O-L-Y. And he talks about how he ended up becoming a really big name in the like the the zombie prepper fiction world by accident, mm. because in one of his special ops books, the guys, you know, bumped into a contaminant that caused people these, you know, to lose certain self-controls, kind of like, you know, those drugs from the Caribbean that people used in, you know, to for mind control. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the thing went crazy in the prepper community that he didn't even know was a community. Right. Right. And so he dub he doubled down on that. Now he has an entire series about this where it's not like full science fiction zombie stuff. It's more like, you know, medical contamination turns into zombies. And the guy has like a legitimate huge tribe that that's a full time career for him writing these books that he bumped into by accident. Um, so I think for me, like thinking about lessons, what can people do is like you were saying, one, be aware of, of you know, subcultures or sub tribes that you're that you're you know, lined up to be good at that you didn't even know existed, like watch for the opportunities. Um, but B, like for me, uh, I think the number one thing is authenticity. Totally. Like find something you can double down on so hard that even if it doesn't pay, you're going to keep doing it. And if you can just outlast the competition, like it can really be like 
an endurance game. Like if you can do it harder, longer, it turns into a magnet. Um, what, what advice would you have for someone who wants to start a tribe? Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely, I think that, you know, if your first thought is I'm going to start a tribe and make a bunch of money, it's probably not going to work. Not to say that there aren't people who figure that sort of thing out. Um, but it really should be something you're interested in personally at a deep level. It's just going to make your day to day more fun. You know, like late at night when you're like exhausted and you need to come out with like a really killer blog post about whatever. Um, if it's something you don't know anything about, you're going to have to burn up all this time. Like this is something I run into with my own freelance work, right? It it can take me a certain amount of time. Uh, uh, it takes me a lot longer to write a blog post for someone else than I do, than it does for me. Right. Because I, sometimes I'll have to research or maybe it's something I'm not at, interested in. Like a, I had a, like a packaged food product that I worked on pretty recently and there were some, some ingredients and things I wasn't super familiar with and it was for kids and I don't have kids. So I, 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 you know, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was like a chore or anything. It's just what I do for a living. But when it comes time to sit down and write for my podcast about uh, stranger things or the witch or evil dead Two, man, I can write like 20 pages in an afternoon, no problem. You know? So the thing that you, you can produce content like that on and it just fires you up. It's just going to be easier. You know, and it, you should definitely like think about not the path. Think of, about doing it for a decade, not a fad that you have to exactly you have to make yourself do. And it should also be something that um, you can master over time. You know, you think about that book uh, Mastery by uh, what's his name Robert Green. Robert Green, right? Um, you can start your tribe without knowing very much, right? Like I, I actually follow. Uh, there's a there's a a YouTuber that builds swords and i can't even tell you why this is compelling to watch but when you look at his early 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 episodes his stuff wasn't really that good but as you watch him go along the way and learn more techniques and get more and more clients and all these interesting projects he becomes better so think about lasting 10 years but think about something that could be exponentially better in 10 years too because as you master your field and become a stronger voice in your tribe, um, it's going to be personally fulfilling for you. And you're going to... Well, and it becomes a magnet, right? It, it totally. doesn't take so much work to keep it going. Totally. Well, that's great. Um, again, appreciate you making time for the show, and hopefully that was helpful to our listeners. All right. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll also check out Child Rescue uh, from the menu on our website, iCollective.co. And if this episode or any other episode really stood out to you or, or you have a story to tell us, please email me um, at the email stories at iCollective.co. Thanks so much. Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.